Hello, I'm Jack Gilbert from Get Schooled, Student Stories from Across Kentucky, and I'm here to tell you that this episode is from our National Geographic Partnership, known as the Kentucky Ed Storytellers Fellowship. These episodes have been researched, written, recorded, and edited by individual teams, with occasional support from the Get Schooled team. Today's episode was made by the one and only Felicity Therese Kruger from Adair. Enjoy. Hi everybody, my name is Felicity Therese Kruger, and today I'm going to be talking about mental health education and suicide prevention in rural communities. We're going to be interviewing three people today. Those people will include a person in the school system, a parent, and a youth. Now, when I interviewed these people, I introduced them to a couple different things. One of those things was Senate Bill 65, which was introduced in 2010, and it's an act relating to suicide prevention training. And was passed in 2010. To require principals, guidance counselors, and teachers to complete a minimum of two hours of instruction in suicide prevention each school year. And to permit suicide prevention training for classified employees to be accomplished through self-review of suicide prevention materials and requires two hours of self-study in suicide prevention techniques in addition to be required four hours of professional development for high school and middle school professionals. Now that bill was introduced to these people, so they will be giving their feedback on that and if it would work in rural communities or homeschool communities. Now I also talked to them about Adair County and what they are currently doing for suicide prevention, which is a yearly suicide prevention and working with local agencies to get their students the help they need. In addition to that, I introduced them to what Owen County is doing. Owen County High School has a set-up help system, a youth peer support plan, along with yearly suicide prevention, a stop tip line on their school's website. So we will be talking to them about that as well and introducing to them and what they think about it. Now on to the interview. One of the first people we will be hearing from today is Lori Price. Lori Price comes from the school system, and she will be giving us the down low on how Pulaski County became one of the top leading um, schools with regards to mental health education in Kentucky. Welcome, Lori Price. First, I just ask you to introduce yourself, your name, who you are. Uh, my name is Lori Price. And I work in Pulaski County Schools. I'm the coordinator of student and family support services. I've been in my role for about 25 years. I'm also um, a licensed psychological practitioner, and I have a private practice in Somerset, Kentucky. Awesome. Thank you. So with the different suicide prevention trainings and mental health educations, with some schools, they are vastly different from each other. Do you have any idea of why that might be? Well, I think that some of the, what we have to understand is in education, the focus in the past has always been focused on education. And school districts are in different places with regards to how um, mental health focus becomes part of their routine, like their routine in education. And so when I talk about Pulaski County Schools, we're literally known as a leader and a forerunner in the state 
for school-based mental health services, as well as what we call positive behavioral interventions and supports. And I'll say we became a forerunner in an odd, I'll say in an odd, not really an odd way, but our district, myself, I'm a mental health professional. Uh, most districts have never hired mental health professionals. And I have been in my role in Pulaski County Schools for 25 years. And so as a clinician, before I came into the schools, I already felt like it was important to start providing services to children where they were. And so I was fortunate to have leadership that supported me because Pulaski County itself is a huge county. And we have parents that are very poor that live in the outreaches in our county, and they would not drive into the center of town uh, because they couldn't afford to, to give their children mental health services. So we've literally had school-based mental health services for 21 years. And right now, that is only becoming a habit in some of our schools currently since the AWARE grant. We got the AWARE grant about six or seven years ago. And, and so we've been doing that for 21 years. We also started Positive Behavioral Interventions and Supports in 2007. And we were a forerunner in that. And we're an example uh, in that. But that came around because we were struggling in some of our schools getting our students to meet their educational goals. And, and to achieve in their educational goals. And we found that the kids that we could not get to achieve were having severe mental health issues. And so it became, or behavioral issues. So it became very important for us, if we want these kids to achieve in education, then we have to meet those behavioral needs and those mental health needs. And I will say, Pulaski County Schools is the 14th largest school district in the state of Kentucky. So we have a lot more resources although we have a lot more students, but we have a lot more resources that we can touch kids with or we could use to assist children. Before the COVID, I will say this, Pulaski County has a lot of outpatient mental health facilities or, or practices. Before the COVID hit, we had memorandum of agreements with 14 agencies to come on site and provide mental health services to our youth. We train those mental health people on how to be ethical in our schools, and we train them about our positive behavioral support. Now, when the COVID happened, we could not allow that to happen because we were contact tracing. And so we have a mental health clinic in every school in our district, and that mental health clinic is staffed by mental, a mental health agency, and they staff a therapist. Well, they're allowed to staff three people in each clinic. So some of them staff two therapists and a case manager. Some of them staff a therapist and two case managers. It just depends on what the agency wants to do. But that mental health clinic then is there, even through the COVID, to help those students at that school to provide the mental health supports for them. With regard to suicide prevention, again, we were part of the um, AWARE One grant. and so. Every, every employee in our school district has been trained in what's called Youth Mental Health First Aid. And when I say every employee, we're talking teachers, administrators, we're talking bus drivers, people that work in the uh, cafeterias, aides. If you work in our school district, you have to complete Youth Mental Health First Aid training. And we have trained all our staff, and now it's just we train new ones that come in. 
We have also trained all of our teachers in what we call trauma-informed care in the classroom, and they have been equipped with understanding trauma and its impact on learning. They've also been taught and equipped with skills on how to work with youth that have experienced trauma. And as we start to move back towards all children coming back to school, uh, you know, we are really gearing up on retraining in trauma because we know we're going to have a lot of students that's been impacted from the COVID with trauma. And so that is a focus this summer, this summer in our school district is reopening up those guidelines about or those conversations about trauma and being prepared. Um, we do, um, when we talk about, of course, all of our staff must have youth mental health first aid training. And so we use that. I have used that as a basis to come up with the, the repeat or the, um, the two hour where, where we, we retrain and then we refocus and, and um, have conversation activities around that. I have used youth mental health first aid to base that on. And so I go and provide those at opening days for our uh, teachers and our staff. Um, and of course we provide suicide prevention for our high schoolers. We have, they do that through um, videos. Um, we also have videos available for our teachers that can review that for suicide prevention. Can you explain to me what the AWARE grant is? Okay, AWARE, the AWARE grant is a federal grant that President Obama put in place to reduce school violence. And the goal with that is that if we become aware, if we were to become aware earlier that children are beginning to show signs of mental distress or problems, if we did that early enough, then we could get them linked to mental health services and to support services to reduce the chances of violence occurring in the schools. Kentucky Department of Education was awarded AWARE 1, and the schools included in that were Fayette County Schools, Pulaski County Schools, and um, the Kentucky School for the Deaf. And it brought a lot of money into our school district to train our staff in youth mental health first aid expand school-based mental health services. And so they chose Fayette and Pulaski County because we were already in that process. We were already doing those things. We weren't doing youth mental health first aid, but we were doing school-based mental health services. And now there's AWARE 2. Um, and AWARE 2, let's see, Bullitt County, Henderson County, and uh, Warren County are part of the, of the AWARE 2 grant. So that's the AWARE grant. Okay, thank you. Um, mm -hmm. So you mentioned that through the AWARE grant and through a bunch of other things, you were able to become one of the leading schools within Kentucky um, with mental health. But with that, were there any struggles or obstacles you had to go through to get there? Well, so again, we've been doing it for 21 years. And um, one of the obstacles has been that we have so many people coming into our school. So we struggle with space in the building. We struggle with confidential space in the building for them to see their clients. We struggle with ensuring that all therapists are good therapists that we would want interacting with our students. And so that's why we developed the six-hour training. And in order to come in our schools, you have to, it's literally called ethics and best practices of school-based mental health. Uh, and we require them to have that six-hour class before they're ever allowed in our school district. And so those have been, you know, that that's how we've met that issue. You know, we developed a training and we require it. 
uh, and they cannot see our students unless they've had that training. And so that was an issue because we had different people coming in dressed inappropriately. We had people, you know, um, not following school protocol about checking in. I mean, you know, just those typical things. And so that's how we remedied that issue. Um, I do like too when we put clinics in the schools. Um, we, with our positive behavioral interventions and supports, we didn't have any of the mental health agencies participating in our behavioral intervention teams uh, at the schools. And so when we open the mental health clinics, the staff that man those mental health clinics are part of our behavioral teams at the school. And so that was an issue. So we remedied that by opening the clinics and this, these people, they're, they're like the therapist and the two case managers are at the school every day that the school's open. And so they're very much a part of the um, climate of the school and they participate on team leadership teams and on behavioral teams. And so that really helps give us a focus and gives us a lot of uh, input as to how to, you know, address behavioral challenges at school. Do you think that some of the things that you were doing would transition well into maybe a smaller community? Um, I mean, yes. Um, it's Well, sometimes the struggles at smaller communities, and I've talked to them that they have, you know, I sit and told you that we have MOAs with 14 outpatient agencies. Well, Pulaski County is a pretty big town that is a hub for a lot of smaller towns and so sometimes smaller counties do not have mental health agencies in their counties that, that would be willing to come in and so that has been a struggle for some of the smaller um the smaller communities um and so but sometimes if they're able to you know just go to a neighboring county that has a larger outpatient facility sometimes they're willing uh, to allow a staff member to go and, and serve that school. So it would be a matter of reaching out and, and developing a relationship with those agencies. And um, that's, a, that's a big part of my, I have literally an, a team, a mental health district team that a lot of the owners of our outpatient agencies are members of. So I have that, I've developed that rapport with them and I have that relationship. Now, when it comes to like training in youth mental health first aid, right now with the fact that Kentucky Department of Education has the AWARE 2 grant, any school district could call KDE and say, we would like our staff members to have youth mental health first aid. And they have trained, they have lots of staff trained to be able to uh, teach or to um, train staff in youth mental health first aid. They could even call me, you know, and if it's where me and Tammy and Dusty could work it out, you know, we're willing to go and train staff. So, you know, when it comes to suicide prevention training, if you want to use youth mental health first aid, you know, that's a, that's a free opportunity. You could easily get that. And so they would just need to contact someone at KDE. I will say there is a new, um, it's called teen mental health first day that has been developed and it is a mental health uh, it's similar training but it's for the youth and so um myself and tammy roberts are going to go be trained on being able to do teen mental health first aid with our high schoolers so that's a focus that we're going to have 
um, as soon as COVID restrictions are up and we're, we want the training in person uh, because it, we practice literally what we're doing. And so we're going to wait until that's opened back up. But that is a, a goal for us next school year is to start training our high schoolers and how to recognize symptoms and problems and what to do when they either recognize it in themselves or maybe a friend. Uh, and so that's a future for us. And I know that KDE uh, with the AWARE grant uh, is looking to um, train people in teen mental health first aid. So I'll look for that to be something that will be provided uh, in the future to schools. And does KDE, is that, does that have any, like, is that a, is there something for that, like Kentucky something, something? Uh, it's the Kentucky Department of Education. Okay, thank you. So, you know, all our schools fall yeah. under that and they support the schools. So that's what I'm saying. Any school that wanted to train their staff in youth mental health first aid, they just need to, you know, call up the Kentucky Department of Education. Um, actually, it's Catherine Tillett would be the contact person. And she could look at and see how, I mean, they could schedule that for them and find trainers for them. Okay, awesome. Thank you. Mm -hmm. um, if you could tell a youth one thing, what would you tell them about mental health education? Um there's a lot of stigma related to mental health issues and I hate that our kids feel and hear that stigma. The bottom line is, is that mental health issues are a physical body issue. If you had strep throat, you would go to the doctor to get treatment. If you're depressed, it is a physical problem that can be fixed. There is there there are remedies or there are ways of becoming better and getting help. And we don't need to run from that. Actually, we need to run towards help because help really does move people in better directions and they feel better. So what I want to encourage with youth is that don't be ashamed. Don't feel like you're going to be made fun of. If you start to notice that you're struggling with anxiety, that you're struggling with depression, maybe you don't have energy that you had before. Maybe you're not able to sleep at night. Maybe you worry a lot. Again, treat it like it is a physical disorder because it very much is and seek help because there is help and you can get better. Thank you so much. Um, mm -hmm. And then along with that, if you could tell um, teachers or principals or anybody who works within the school district who are struggling with anything on their own or with a kid, what would you tell them? Um, well, first off, I always tell our, my staff members, I always say that the most important thing that you can give to your students is to reach out and try to develop a relationship with them. And I mean a healthy relationship, a healthy teacher-student relationship, but a relationship to where you know their name, you make eye contact with them, you talk to them, you be opening and welcoming to them because only through that relationship will you notice that there might be a change that you need to address and be willing to look for that change. Be willing to be brave enough to ask that student, are you doing okay? I'm concerned about you. And then I always try to tell teachers don't be quick in your judgment of a child. You do not walk in their shoes. You do not what you don't know what happened to them the night before they were at school or the morning before they got on the bus. Always be willing 
to just ask, are you okay? And be willing to listen and be open-minded to the idea that you have children walking around you that have experienced trauma, that might be experiencing mental health issues. Don't add to them by being unfair or being closed-minded. Be willing to develop a relationship that could help them get help. Thank you. And then this is just sort of a last, do you want to say anything or a shout out to anybody type of thing? Well, I just want to, I don't know that I want to really shout out necessarily, but I just want, I do want to shout out to the mental health people that have been helping our schools you know, provide services and support to our youth while they've been home during the COVID. And in Pulaski County, even though they've not been allowed in the schools to do it, we are family resource and youth service centers that are so needed across the state of Kentucky have been really good about staying in contact with our mental health people, going out to the homes and doing home visits with our students to make sure they're okay. And, you know, our mental health people have really risen to the occasion, you know, in helping us meet the needs of our students that are at home and helping us stay in check with them and making sure they've got food, making sure that their needs are being met, making sure that they're okay. And I just want to say, you know, during this difficult time, I believe we've learned a lot about what our children experience. And I believe that, um, you know, it's given us a deeper understanding. And I just really appreciate all those that have been willing to help us stay in contact with our students and continue to meet their needs. That's my shout out. And we're going to have to continue to do that until we're all back to school. And I do think students need to be back at school. They need that structure again. There are students who I know need the consistency of a breakfast and a lunch every day. Uh, and I know there's students who just need to have somebody say hi to them and spend time with them. There's also students who and they get to have a do-over if they want to but just because they've been home they've not gotten the education that they usually get and uh and so i'm just looking forward to all of our students re-engaging in school and being able to re-engage in the activities that they were in and things become more like normal it'll be a different normal but it'll be back being engaged and so i'm looking forward to that thank you so much Now we will be talking to a young person who has experienced firsthand the mental health education in a private and rural community high school and middle school. Please welcome Cece. Hi Cece, can you introduce yourself? Okay, uh, my name is Cece, I'm 15. I'm homeschooled, well not homeschooled, I do online school now. I used to go to a private school, I left in freshman year I went for one day um now I sort of just want to know like what was your general experience with mental health or with them being bullied in like the school system that kind of thing there really wasn't a lot of mental health resources I mean if you got sad or like you know depressed anxious whatever they sent you to the school counselor and you know they gave the good old oh this is just between us but then they would go and tell your parents Mm -hmm. and I never had to go to the counselor but I had a lot of friends who did and yeah it wasn't a good experience for them yeah 
along with that, like, what do you think would have helped maybe your friends when you were, when they went to the counselor that didn't, your school didn't provide? Probably having uh, actual resources, you know, because uh, the counselor that we had was just the math teacher. That sort of goes along with the um, the bill, but um, with you going to a private school, it doesn't really give the wide variety to private schools to have the counselors be actually trained in suicide prevention. Right. Along with the legislation, what do you think about it? What is there anything that you would want to change, or you do you think that it's good? I think it sounds pretty good as it is. What do you think about the local school suicide prevention um, and their views? Um, <laughs> I don't think it's very thorough. Yeah, especially with some of the more rural communities, like where we both live. What's one thing that would have helped you best in your situation, like you specifically? Probably just having access to a trained professional. Um, what's one thing you want people to know about mental health with youth, um, especially in like rural and homeschool type of communities? Uh, it is not a linear recovery. You're going to have ups and downs and... It isn't just you get therapy and suddenly you're better. Awesome. What is one thing you want to tell adults about youth and mental health? Uh, To please listen to your kids and their struggles. I know it seems like, might seem stupid to you, but these are real struggles to us. Awesome. Thank you. Yeah. uh, My old school did have a kid who committed... Uh, And after it happened, uh, we did have mass services and stuff like that, but they really didn't go into suicide prevention even after that very much. Mm -hmm. I think we had maybe one 15-minute kind of class about it where it was like, oh, if you're feeling sad, don't be afraid to come to us, but that was it. Yeah. Content warning. The following interview will include a mom talking about losing her son to suicide, so please keep that in mind. I will be talking to a homeschool mom who had to deal with the terrible loss of suicide. She'll be giving us her raw thoughts and conversation about suicide prevention and mental health education. The first question I'm going to ask you to do is sort of introduce yourself. Uh, My name is Sherry Muir, and I am a wife and mother of four children. Uh, I lost my 13-year-old son, um, be going on five years anniversary in July of 2016. And I am a homeschool mom. I have been homeschooling for 13 years, and I have homeschooled all four of my children. Next question is just, what do you think about the legislation? Do you think it's good? Do you think there should be things added to it? I think the legislation is good. Uh, Coming from a homeschool background and the mindset of a homeschool parent is 
the less regulation involved in homeschooling, the better. Um, but with that being said, because suicide crosses all boundaries and all education avenues, I think that the homeschool community would benefit from taking proactive measures to face the issue of suicide since it does affect um, all teens and, and all people depending on, it doesn't matter of, of gender, economic status, education level, uh, or type of education. And so I feel that the homeschool community could definitely benefit from shining a light on awareness and prevention as far as the guidelines go, though, I, I don't feel that homeschool parents would be open to uh, mandatory uh, guidelines for tr uh, training and development and self-study. I think it would be something that parents would want to pursue on their own and by talking with uh, mental health professionals and perhaps people like myself who have been through the horror of suicide loss and for even um, in the homeschool community, those who have had suicide ideation or have actually attempted it themselves but are in the homeschool community. I certainly think that there would be a benefit there and um, something that all families could participate in. I like the idea of a tip line for the schools and that's certainly something that homeschoolers, um, we have uh, support groups in the area, several that could open up and say, you know, if you're, if you're having these thoughts or you want to talk to someone, here is, um, here's what you can do and, and giving um, a lifeline out for people who are having these thoughts or maybe not, maybe it's, it's not even suicide ideation. You're just having a bad day and you need someone to talk to. Yeah. So you think that having homeschool parents be proactive and watching out and having things like the tip line that Owen County has? Would no, specifically with our uh, homeschool co-op, we just opened up a library system for homeschool families to uh, come in and check out books and perhaps having its own section of dealing with um, you know, thoughts, dealing with problems, dealing with depression would also be something where someone might not feel comfortable talking about it, but certainly reading about it and having um, uh, opportunity to check out a book and take it home and read about it and get encouragement and support that way would also be helpful. That's brilliant. Now I sort of want to ask you, during your experience, what was something that someone did or that you saw that just helped you? Uh, I think sharing that uh, you're not alone. I devoured books and did a lot of research after our family's uh, trauma that we went through and being able to read about stories of other families and how they coped and how they moved forward was very helpful for me. And me also sharing what we went through 
with other families um, allowed them to open up and being able, you know, it was a, a, a very public trauma being public. Uh, other families were able to get the help that their child needed at the time and realizing the seriousness of it. And so in our sharing and in our talking about it, um, it reduces the stigma and people feel more willing to be able to talk. Is there any of the, as you said, you had like support groups, are there any support groups or any organizations that you would want to just give a quick shout out to? Yes, I know that Pulaski County does meet. Um, I have not been in, in some time, but it was headed up by a um, counseling group in Pulaski. I believe it's LifeSpring. And there were um, mental health counselors there. And uh, for families who have dealt with the loss of suicide by a family member and also those who have um, had the desire uh, to um, to complete suicide. And um, I went to several of those uh, meetings and it was very helpful. And on one of the meetings, I actually met a, a, a mom, a family member, a family that had just lost their son two weeks prior. And I could see myself and it had been almost a year for me and I could see myself there and the pain and the hurt was still very raw for her. And um, she had shared with me later that hearing my story made it a little bit easier. It's, it doesn't go away. The pain doesn't go away. But hearing that someone else is going through what you are going through or what have you been through um, is extremely helpful and you feel like you're not alone. So I do, uh, I think that those types of groups um, are, are very helpful um, for reducing the stigma and helping people to heal, being able to talk about it. Thank you. What was something that someone did or where it just didn't help at all, it hurt? Well, I think people uh, mean well, and certainly it's a shock uh, when it happens in your family or to a, a friend, a close friend, and people really don't know what to say. And sometimes they may say things that uh, they think are out of love or compassion, but it, it's hard to take it that way at the moment um, that, you know, everything happens for a reason. You know, God, God wanted to call Ethan home. I know their heart was in the right direction, but sometimes it sometimes it's just best to hold their hand and just sit in silence with them and let them know you're there for them. And you don't have to talk. You don't have to say anything. But I'm certainly attuned more to now when uh, people joke about suicide and it is no joking matter. And after you've experienced it, firsthand, you realize, you know, you just, you can't minimalize the impact. And um, so just being more careful and more aware of the words that you use uh, with, with others, 
can um, certainly make a difference. Thank you. And to the joking, I can understand that completely. It is very common with my generation specifically and having to decipher and understand and try to make them understand that it is not joking and it's not funny. Yeah. And I think too, um, you know, I've, I've talked with my, my children at length about it and, you know, it, it affects every member of the family and siblings, moms and dads, they're, they're all affected differently. But the common theme with what we have shared is that we have a totally different perspective of loss and value of life and the impact of things. And one thing that my, my children expressed was it was frustrating to hear their friends talk about something trivial as being, you know, so important or devastating to them. Now I sort of just want to ask you, what is one thing that you would like to say to youth or adults who are struggling with suicide or the loss of someone who committed suicide or just ideation? I would say that take a step back take a deep breath and realize that whatever it is you're going through is temporary and that there is always hope and there is always tomorrow is another day and what you're going through right now at this moment may not be as impactful, may not be as bad tomorrow or next week or next month. And just try to process it, talk about it, and realize that it's temporary. And that's something that adults have a better grasp on because we are—we have wisdom, we've lived longer. We realize that things come and go and we can bounce back. For a young person, may not think that way and might be devastated at something And then when things are all seem to be piling on at once, it might not be just one thing. It might be a lots of different things and they're all whittling away at your happiness or your joy, but just realize it is temporary and there's always hope and you matter. And regardless of how you feel right now, that, that doesn't mean that it's reality. And talk with someone about what you're feeling and get a different perspective of it and try to pull yourself out of this dark cloud because tomorrow is a different day. Thank you so much. When talking about rough topics like suicide, feelings may come up. And if you are currently experiencing suicide ideation, Me and all the people I interviewed today urge you to reach out to somebody. The suicide hotline is 1-800-273-8255 or you could text GO to 741-741. And always feel free to reach out to a family or friend and just tell them what's going on. They will understand and you can find help. Just know you are loved and it will get better.
I hope that you got at least something out of this podcast. Living in rural communities, it can be hard to find suicide prevention and a lack of stigma. Hopefully, this podcast will inspire you to continue to create less stigma around suicide and mental health. Thank you, everybody, for listening. Goodbye. Thank you for listening to the Get School podcast. Please follow, share the episode, and leave a review. Make sure to also follow the Kentucky Student Voice Team on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook at KY Student Voice Team. Also be sure to check out our blog at studentvoiceforum.org. Is there anything going on in your school or area you want us to cover? Be sure to let us know by emailing podcast at kystuvoiceteam.org. That's podcast at kystuvoiceteam.org. As mentioned at the beginning, this episode is part of the Kentucky Ed Storytellers Fellowship with National Geographic. So if, if you enjoy, please do look out for other episodes featuring many other amazing students. See you all next time for another episode of Get Schooled.